If you would, please come in and have a seat so we can get started this morning. We want to welcome everyone to our morning service here at the Boonville Church of Christ. We're glad you're here, and especially if you're visiting with us, thank you for being here and being part of our service this morning. We come together this morning to worship the Lord. Uh, Brother Ken is out of town this uh, today, and Stephen Hodgen will be doing the speaking today, and he's, he's getting ready for the Super Saturday here on June the 10th. So be making plans to be part of that, uh, that great event. Would you bow with me as we begin our time together in prayer? Our Father, thank you for all of the many blessings that you bestow upon us as your people. We're thankful for the many opportunities that you give us as a congregation to reach out into our community. And we pray that you'll be with us and, and bless every effort that we put forth to try to carry the gospel of Jesus to the community around us. These things we ask through Jesus' name. Amen. There he goes. This morning we'll start off in song, To God Be the Glory.
Right. Before. bow. Our Heavenly Father, we are coming so grateful to begin another day and another week with being able to worship you and to offer praise unto you. And as we do so, may we do it with sincere hearts and, and in a way that will bring honor unto you. We thank you for each and every one that is here assembled today. We are mindful that there are others not able to be with us. We ask you to watch over to be with them. We may have some traveling and as they do so, may you watch over them and that they will return safely. We're mindful that there are several of our number that are struggling with their physical health, and we ask that your hand of comfort and care to be upon them as they face these various ailments, and to likewise be with those that are administering care to them in various capacities. We know that there may be others that, for whatever reason, may be struggling with their faith, and we pray that they too will be comforted and strengthened, and as we have the opportunity, may we be the ones to minister to them and to strengthen them in some way, and that they too may return unto us. We're thankful for the leadership of our church. We ask you to be with our elders as they continue the work of overseeing, and that they will be granted all manner of wisdom and knowledge and that they will know what they ought to do and how they ought to go about it. 
We're thankful for our deacons who serve in various capacities and that they too will be strengthened in their roles and in all that they do as well. We ask you to be with Steve as he prepares in a few moments to come and present a message from your word. We pray that we will receive it in a pleasing manner, that we will examine ourselves and that we will make any corrections that we need to make and that we'll be able to share those things with others. We just ask you to watch over us and to always be with us. And for this we ask, and in Christ's name, amen. The invitation song at the appropriate time will be Come to Jesus. It'll be on the screen only. Uh, before the lesson and before the scripture reading, we'll sing, Hear, O Israel. Scripture reading this morning comes from Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 6. Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. Good morning. What a great day to be together and worship our God. Amen. As we move into this part of our worship, and we're worshiping as we let God talk to us this morning through his word, and as we move into that part of our worship, let's pray together. 
Gracious Father, thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you for the privilege and the blessing of being able to be gathered into one place as a group of people who have committed ourselves through obedience to you that we might worship you in spirit and in truth and serve you all the days of our lives as we love you with all of our heart, all of our soul, our strength, and our mind. And we let your presence, your power, and your word dwell in our hearts each day. Father, this morning, as we open your truth, may we as hearers be willing to hear and to apply. Bless me, Father, as a presenter, that in an unworthy and humble way, I can do the best that I can to present your truth. And may that truth teach us something this morning that will motivate us to loftier service in your kingdom through your Son, and it is in his name we pray, amen. I want you to turn this morning, if you will, as we start our lesson today, you, you recognize, of course, that we're going to find ourselves back in uh, uh, the book of Deuteronomy in just a moment. But turn your copy of God's Word, if you would, to Second uh, Peter. If you've got a copy of God's Word, uh, turn there with me, please. And if not, I hope you'll open your mind and your ears and your heart to the hearing of its message this morning. In 2 Peter chapter 2, or chapter 1, I'm sorry, let's start in chapter 1, and read verses 2, actually we're going to read the end of verse 1, all the way through 11. Now it's not just a reading to be reading, but it's the heart of our lesson as we connect what Peter says here to an idea that we find in Deuteronomy chapter 6. 2 Peter chapter 1. And let me just start at the beginning. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Listen to every part of this message. To those who have obtained like precious faith with us, that's you and that's me, by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Think of all that's in here. Verse 5, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. 
For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an abundance will be supplied to you abundantly, an entrance, excuse me, will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, if you would, be turning to Deuteronomy chapter 6, and we're going to read the first nine verses. Now, I want us to read two lengthy verses as we start our thought process today because all of our points, all of our thoughts, all of the lessons and applications to be gleaned are going to come from these two texts as we allow them to mesh together in our study and in our thought process. Now, as you're turning there, though, let me recall your mind back to 2 Peter. Did you listen to the things he said when he talked about great and precious promises when he talked about the knowledge in Christ Jesus that comes from God that gives us everything we need by which we live godly and by which we live every single moment of every single day of our lives here on planet earth did you hear him talk about the being partakers of the divine nature folks that text Peter's words apply to us in that this is our goal, isn't it? It's our goal not just for being here this morning. It's our goal for being children of God, for being servants of God. That's my goal, to have an entrance into that kingdom, to be able to say that I have escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. That's my goal for myself, but it's also our goal as a church family. Isn't it? Nod your head like this. It's our goal for, uh, it's our goal not only for our church family, but for our physical families and our goal for our children. It is the reason why we do things like Super Saturday Bible School. It is the thing, the reason why we have Bible classes. We don't just have Bible classes whether it's on Sunday morning before worship or five o'clock on Sunday evening, just because that's something we always did. And therefore it's something we always do. We really don't know why. No, it's because we want that same goal for those who come after us. Now, as we think about that, let's move our thoughts into Deuteronomy chapter six. We sang from that chapter this morning. Thank you so much. We read from that passage already, but now as we go back there, we're going to dig a little deeper. Deuteronomy chapter 6. When you read the book of Deuteronomy from chapter 1 all the way up to chapter 6, you find that Moses, Moses has found out that he isn't going to be allowed into the promised land. He has found out that he can see it, but he's not going to step into it and he's going to turn the mantle of leadership over to Joshua and in his last moments as leader he reminds the children of Israel and by the way when you read in here and when we sang this morning hero Israel when you listen closely if you're a Bible student of the New Testament you discover very quickly that if you have been baptized into Christ and put on Christ and arisen to walk a new life in Christ and you're in the church that is the body of Christ and therefore according to scripture you're God's people you're the Israel of God spiritually today so guess what the message is for us 
But Moses, to those people at that time, he reminded them of what God had done through his power to deliver them out of Egypt. He reminded them of that two-year journey to Kadesh Barnea. And he reminded them of God's command to go in. And he also reminded them of their reluctance and their insistence that they send the spies. And they sent the spies. Moses agreed with that. They came back but they rejected or rebelled against God's command and they didn't want to go in. They were afraid. And they spent 38 more years wondering before they eventually, a new generation was able to enter in as Joshua as their leader. And Moses is reminding them of several things here. And I want you to listen to what he says. Starting in chapter 6, verse 1. Actually, I'm going to back up verse 32 of chapter 5. Therefore, you shall be careful to do as the Lord your God has commanded you. You shall not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. You shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your God has commanded you, that you may live and that it may be well with you, and that you may prolong your days in the land which you shall possess. Are you listening? Verse 1, now this is the commandment and these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess. You mean there's something that I need to keep doing as I live God's promise every day? Verse 2, that you may fear the Lord your God and keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command you. You, you which I command you, you and your son and your grandson all the days of your life and that your days may be prolonged. Therefore, hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it that it may be well with you and that you may be multiplied greatly as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Let's stop there in that reading. And I realize it's been a a lengthy reading this morning, but there's a purpose in this. Now we're going to take all two more small references, but the lesson's coming from here. When you read those words, what is the purpose of Moses, his message, his final decree to God's people before he leaves them, turns over the mantle to Joshua, and they move into the purpose God has given them. What's the purpose of this message? I think the goal, uh, the expected result of these words is very clear. You know, what Moses want to accomplish when he spoke to God's people, don't you think it's obvious? The continuity of faith, the continuity of devotion and service so that you will continue to be what you're supposed to be. You understand that in that process there were going to be children born who had not yet even been considered because there are going to be marriages that hadn't even happened. Children who haven't grown up to have their own children. Moses said you have to continue 
so that that faith will continue. There has to be a continuity of devotion and service if you're going to live in the land and serve God in the land. Now, as we think about that, I want us to think about a phrase that you may have seen in the bulletin or may not have. A few years ago, a a well-known politician with whom you might not agree, uh, who is a part of a a particular political party with which you might not uh, connect yourself, uh, coined this phrase and used it rather regularly in the idea of it takes a, a village to raise a child. Now, before you bristle at that and saying, I didn't agree with, you didn't have to, that's irrelevant. That's just where most of us remember hearing that phrase for the first time. The truth is, that's a borrowed phrase that that politician used. It's actually rather old. That proverb actually came, uh, is attributed to ancient uh, African um, cultures many uh, years ago. And the idea was simply this. It takes a village to raise a child. The prevailing idea, an entire community of people must provide for and interact with children if we want those children to experience and grow in a safe and healthy environment. That's the idea of it takes a village to raise a child. And that's a a proverb that came from a long time ago. The idea is that those who see that child and interact with that child and do the things uh, throughout the course of that child's day and, and week and month and life have either a positive or a negative impact on that child. And therefore, the idea is that it takes a village to raise a child. Okay, now, with that in mind, let's think for a second about the village of our church family. Now, understand, according to Ephesians 2 and verse 19, that's not my idea because we're told in Ephesians 2, 19 that we all belong. We're no longer strangers. We're no longer foreigners, but we are members of the household of God, if we are Christians. So this church family that meets at Boonville is a part of a larger family that's the household of God. So therefore, we could consider ourselves a spiritual village. Now, before we start, I want to use, and I didn't ask his permission to do this, so I may get in trouble. But I remember... I believe this concept to be true. I know it to be true because of something that happened many, many years ago. Uh, My son um, is in his middle 30s. I'd have to stop and do the math. We don't have time. Uh, But he's in his middle 30s, and I remember when he was about Jude's age. He was about Jude's age. I remember that, uh, about Gunner's age. And we, if you've ever been through Tishomingo, there's a Fairless Hardware. It's been there forever. Um, and I remember going in there and getting something, uh, buying something. In the course of all of that, he tagged along with me because that's what sons do. And we went and got in uh, the pickup, uh, and, and we were uh, headed out of town. And he's, I realized he had something, some candy. And I said, where did you get that? And I pressed him. He took it from the store. It was there. You know how they put things down where children could see? He just took it. So I turned around and went back. This kind of unfolded, and I'll tell this rather quickly, but this kind of unfolded. I just told him to sit in the car. That was back uh, in the 80s when you could actually do that in small towns. 
And I went inside and I told, because I knew exactly what uh, Mr. Nunley was going to do, or Mr. Keith. I knew exactly what he was going to do. He was going to say, ah, it's no big deal. It's no big deal. But I went in and I said, I don't want you to do that. He stole that. He doesn't understand the concept of stealing. That's what we're about to have a lesson about. But when he comes back in here, you, I want you to be a part of this. I want you to explain to him that this is your business and that he took something that wasn't his and there are consequences for that. Now, I would prefer if you didn't have him arrested since he's only five uh, uh, because that's going to create problems with his mama. Uh, but what I, I, I do want you to do is take this seriously and let him understand it's serious. So I went back out and got him, and I just stood at a distance, and I let this man, who did not know my son other than the fact he was my son, explain to him, this is not something you do. This is not something that's acceptable. This is unacceptable behavior. I could call the police. I could do all of these things. Now, it was, you would say, I, it was just a minor incident, and it was. It was a minor confrontation. It, there was no confrontation. But what I learned there is there was a moment for someone who was a part of the community in which he was going to grow up had a moment where that person could teach him something he needed to know. So I have learned that this idea of it takes a village to raise a child means something. It means something. I'm a senior sponsor and I have just gotten messages back and... and, and, and uh, even a card from some students who said some things to me about this moment and that moment and other moments. And I, to be honest, I can't remember half of the things they're talking about. But the understanding is absolutely crystal clear that we have an impact and brethren, we have a responsibility, not just an impact, on those around us who are our children, and who are our children's children, who are the children of our friends, and the children of our brothers, and the children of our sisters, and, and the children of people we don't even know. Now let's think about that just for a few minutes, and I promise this will be quick. There are six things I want you to consider from these verses. What about the village of our church family? An effective spiritual village involves, number one, expectation. There are some things that we need to expect. That's what causes us to get involved. In fact, when I, I go back and I think about 2 Peter just a little bit, the idea of us having like precious faith and the, the, the fact that through the knowledge of God that comes through Jesus Christ that I have I am a partaker of the divine knowledge. I have access to godliness, to, to all, everything that helps me live godly and helps me live my life. I want that. My expectation is, do you remember in Deuteronomy chapter 6 when he said, when you go in to possess the land, when you are blessed in the land in which you go, that you do these things as God multiplies you, as he blesses you. Folks, my expectation, the reason why we want to be involved in the lives of those younger than we are, the reason why we want to impact our spiritual village is because we have the expectation of them 
experiencing the same thing we've experienced. We want them to feel that they have escaped the corruption of the world that's through lust. We want them to inherit that same kingdom and that same salvation. We want them to experience being partakers of the divine knowledge. We want, that's our expectation. When I say expectation, we have it, we want it, and we want them to have it. It doesn't just mean we sit back and hope it happens. But number two, it involves instruction. It involves instruction. Did you listen to what Peter said? You know, it's so interesting to me that when I read 2 Peter chapter 1, you read verse 2, 3, and 4. Do you hear those phrases? In the knowledge, through the knowledge, and by the knowledge. How is it that we become divine or or partakers of the divine uh, nature of God? How is it that we connect to that which will make us godly and teach us how to live each day of our lives, to think the way we're supposed to think. And how do we do that? Through the knowledge of Christ. Now, what was it that Moses said? These things, you do them, you observe them. That which I've commanded you, that I got from God, I commanded you. You observe them, you do them, and they shall be in your heart. But then he said, you shall teach them. You shall teach them to your children. He said, to your sons, to your son, to your grandson. You shall teach them. I cannot help but laugh when I think about the fact that when my children graduated, because we just had graduation at Wheeler Friday night, that when my children walked across that stage with that diploma and when they left home for the first time, uh, I was a little worried, to be honest with you, because after that, the first time uh, when, when they left, I told Lisa we should have taken a video of the empty nest because that was the shortest two weeks in history. Uh, uh, but sometimes it feels, I thought, oh, okay, we're done with, with that part of it. <laughs> what? I can't even, I still don't even know how wrong I was. Because that process never stops. You change roles, you may change positions in the village, you may move yet another step. I have kids at school now who call me grandpa, and I'm okay with that. I've just moved to a different spot in the village. And I I appreciate that. But it never stops the instruction. You shall teach them to your son, to your son's sons, to his son. And as long as you're breathing, you teach them diligently to your children. Why? So that they too can be partakers of the divine knowledge. So they too can have the blessing of that entrance into the kingdom. But now here's an interesting thing. If you don't learn anything else in this lesson, learn this. If you don't take anything else home, take this home is that teaching someone else, teaching a child, a younger person about God and how to live for God and how to obey God is more than just exposing them to information. It is more than just exposing them to information. Now, Aaron, I meant to tell you I was going to say this, and so take it the right way now because you've got to hear it all the way through. Last to leaders is not worth the time you waste on it. 
if all you do is sign them up for events and they memorize things and participate in those events and it doesn't become a part of who they are. If it is not a part of them learning. I, heard some, I saw something the other day that I thought was interesting. It said a, a teacher is the center of a classroom, not the technology that supports that teacher. We're not careful. That's what we've done. We've become uh, complacent and we rely on uh, canvas and we rely on, on things to check boxes for us. But that's not what teaches our children. Pro class leaders doesn't teach our children. We do. Bible class doesn't teach the children. We do. Bible class is a conduit. Last leaders is a toolbox that we use to teach our children. Now, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, I learned the coolest thing. You know I love words. You shall teach them diligently. Did you know that word teach? To find the idea of, of diligently instructing, you have to go all the way to the end of, of that uh, definition when you're studying it. Because when I first looked at it, I thought this is the wrong word. It's a Hebrew verb that literally means to sharpen, to whet. You know what a whetstone is? Every time I get ready to slice a tomato, I take the, the whetstone out and I sharpen that kitchen knife because I, I want it to cut at its best, at its finest. That's what that word teach actually means. That you're not just filling them with information, but you're actually sharpening them. You're sharpening them so that they can cut through the confusion. They can cut through the things that would bog them down and get in their way that Satan is so good at putting in front of them. You teach them what? The things I've given you, you share with them. It involves instruction. Who instructs them? Their teachers, their parents, their grandparents. You do. Those of you who hand those children uh, the mints that you take out of your pocket and you hand to them, you have a positive influence of what it's like to be a child of God. They don't forget that smile. And, oh, we could keep going. But number three, it involves motivation. It involves motivation. I'm not going to do something unless I'm motivated to do so. But Peter, what did Peter say? That, that... As his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and knowledge of him who called us into glory and virtue, given us these great and exceeding promises through which you might be partakers of the divine. I am motivated. Now, that goes back to the expectation, but now motivation. I am motivated to be an active participant in the lives of the children in my village because I want them to make it to heaven. I want them to be granted entrance into that kingdom. I want them to uh, walk in that land that flows with milk and honey. And folks, that's not just heaven, but that's the Christian life. I want them to know what it's like to be blessed the way that I've been blessed. And so that motivates me to look for and take advantage of opportunities to share with them. Are you motivated like that? Are you motivated like that? But it also takes dedication. Hear, O Israel, the, hear, o Israel, the Lord God is one. 
You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Are you motivated? Are you dedicated to be a part of that? When I look at uh, the idea of 2 Peter, he said, If these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord. He who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness. Am I dedicated to the idea that there is a need, that there is an absolute need for me? I don't care what my age is. I don't care what my sex is. I don't care what my position is. I don't care how old my children are. I don't care about anything that could be used as an excuse. Brethren, let me say this with all kindness. Sometimes we use excuses. Dedication eliminates those excuses. He said, you love God with all your heart and these things which I have taught you, you not only observe them, they're in your heart. They're in your heart. And because they're in your heart, you cannot help but share them. What else am I going to share? What else am I going to do? Because I love God with everything that I am. And because of that, because I work, according to Peter, to make my calling and election what it's supposed to be, that automatically puts me in a position where I'm going to do that for those children in my village. But an effective spiritual village involves expectation, instruction, motivation, dedication. But it also involves participation. Uh-oh, preacher, you're going to meddling now. Participation. Participation is simple. I have to actually get up and do something. Very uh, a good practical real-life example. Of course, you can't call names. Uh, but I, can, I could, if I wanted to, I could name you four, two for sure, seniors at Wheeler High School that walked across that stage with a diploma that this time six weeks ago were looking into the GED program at Northeast because they didn't have a snowball's chance in a microwave. Uh, well, I hope you didn't think I was going to say something else. Uh, of walking across that stage because... They're, they're, but after a few opportunities and a few conversations and a few this and a few that, it ended up happening because they began to do something. Uh, in fact, when someone looks at you and says, you know, this is pretty easy when you actually do something, <laughs> you think? Participation involves that I actually mentally and then consciously and then physically put all of that together and do that which I know I am supposed to do and I need to do and someone else needs me to do. That's participation. An effective spiritual village involves participation. What did he say? He said, you shall teach them diligently. When? And then he said, you shall talk about them. That's a different word. That's literally a conversation. You shall talk about them when you rise up, when you sit down, when you go this way, when you go that way. When you're in the business of living life, that's where it involves all of us. Don't relegate the spiritual needs of your children to the Bible class teachers. They don't have that kind of time. Don't relegate to just occasional devotionals and Bible study. Don't, and now, parents, you think, oh, please give me a break. Okay, parents, 
This is not for you. This is for everybody else. This is for everybody else. How dare you leave it to a child's parents to carry that burden all by themselves? And you say, wait a minute, what would you just say? Because we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to give what we've got to those who pass in front of us. What does that look like? I have no idea. And you won't either until it passes in front of you. But I'm going to look for it. I'm going to be ready for it. I'm going to be a part of it because I'm dedicated and I will participate. I will participate in some way or another. You think, well, all I did at Super Saturday was pick up garbage. But what you don't realize is that, forgive me for being crass here, and I don't mean it that way, what you don't realize is that when people are going this weekend and putting flowers on your grave, there'll be people standing where you stood taking out the garbage at a Super Saturday that I will not ever see because they saw you do it. And you taught them how to do it. I got to move on. I'm getting emotional. We have to participate. And then last, but certainly not least, an effective spiritual village involves saturation. Now you think, wait, what? It involves saturation. Now, here's what I mean by that. In 2 Peter chapter 1, what did he say there? But also for this very reason, verse 5, Giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. And if these things are yours and abound, then you won't be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what do we do? We continue adding. We saturate. We fill up. And then we fill up some more. We fill up and then we fill up some more. Everybody in here, I know this time of year especially, but we move into the summer when it's hot. You go and water your plants. Do you put a whole half a gallon of water just poured on the top of the plant? You don't do that. Why? What happens? Most of that water does what? Runs off. But you have to wait a little bit and slow down a little bit and let that ground do what? Soak up what it can and then put a little more. And what does it do? Soak it up. And put a little more and it soaks it up. Put a little more and it soaks it up. And I've got ferns hanging on my uh, uh, front porch. And you know what happens when it completely fills up? You know where that water goes? Runs out the bottom. You think, what in the world has this got to do with a lesson? He said, you talk. So, um, Moses said, you teach them diligently to your children to your son, to your son's son, when you rise up, when you sit down, when you go this way and you go that way, and they will. You notice the end part of that? He talked about. And that you will be multiplied greatly, verse 8. The idea there is that's going to perpetuate itself. It's going to continue. Now, I want to ask you a question. Raise your hand if you know what a sponge is. Raise your hand if you know what a sponge is. Okay. Now, what happens? Here's an easy question. What happens when you fill a sponge with as much water as it can hold? Some of you are thinking, uh, then it's full of water. That's right. Good answer. Number two, what happens when you 
squeeze a sponge that is completely full of water? What comes out? Now, if you can understand that, you can understand this point in this lesson. Is that when the world, when our children who just graduated go to college, whether it's at Northeast or Mississippi State or Freed Hardeman, doesn't matter where they are. When uh, our children grow up and they go out there and they are involved in things we wish they weren't. And let me tell you, I'm talking to me this morning. And you see them going through some hard times and you're thinking, what happened and what am I going to do? I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. I'm going to keep praying. You know why? Because if when you squeeze a sponge, it's full of water. You know what comes out? Water. When the world squeezes your child, our children, and we have filled them with the word of God. Now, they may have dried up on the edges, but when it squeezes tight enough and there's water in there, water's going to come out. We saturate them with God and God living and God's word and what's right and the divine nature of God through the word of God. And when we do that and the world squeezes them, their response is going to be the word of God. But somebody's got to keep pouring the water in. You get my point? Now, finish this sentence. A chain is only as strong as its weakest link. You understand a village is only as strong as each of its components. Ephesians 4.16 says it talks about the edification of the body and it talks about as each part, each member does its part. Apply that to the, to the church. Each person does his or her part. So my question this morning, are you doing your part? Let me leave you with this question. If the strength of tomorrow's church, if the strength of tomorrow's church, that is the souls of today's children, depends on you, what condition are we in? What's that outlook? Now, this question I want you to ask. Super Saturday is coming up on June the 10th. It may be that you have a commitment you simply cannot get out of, and I understand that. But it also may be that there's something on that calendar that could be moved or could be missed or could be... I challenge you. Be a part of it. Be a part of it. And if in the days, and you've already told me you'd be a part of this, and in the days ahead, I, have, uh, I haven't contacted you, it's very simple. Michael Bates called me the other day about a gospel meeting, and he said, how are you going? And I said, uh, well, I'm busier than a one-toothed beaver on a tree farm, because that's how I feel some days. And if I haven't contacted you, that means that your name is on a piece of paper that I no longer know where it is. So you call me back. Send me a text that says, where are you? I want to participate. I hope you blow my phone up. But it goes way beyond just one day. 
We are a spiritual village. Each of us has a part. Let's play that part. This morning, if you're not a child of God, then you cannot say you're a part of that link. You're not a part of that village. You're still an outsider. I didn't say that. Jesus did through the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 2. You're still a foreigner. You're still a stranger. You're still involved in the world. Get out of the world. Obey the truth. Obey the gospel. Believe with all of your heart that Jesus is the Son of God. Repent of your sins. Change your mind. Change your direction. Your commitment. Confess Jesus as the Son of God, standing right there in that water. Be buried with Him in baptism so that your sins are washed away because you're united in Him, with Him in His death and in His resurrection. But as a child of God this morning, it may be that our village has weaknesses, and that weakness stops with you. In that today. We can help you do that in any way. Won't you come while we stand and while we sing?
begin the Lord's Supper this morning. If you're in need of an emblem, if you'll raise your hand, the ushers will take care of you. bow with me please. Heavenly Father we come before you thanking you for the many wonderful blessings in life that you've bestowed upon each and every one of us. Heavenly Father as we partake of this bread that represents Christ's body that suffered on the cross that we all might have forgiveness of our sins and home in heaven with thee one day. Father help us go back to, to reflect and sincerely appreciate the suffering that Christ did on the cross on this occasion. We take this bread and hopefully it'll be approval in thy sight. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. You bow with me. Heavenly Father, as we partake of this fruit of the vine that represents Christ's blood that was shed on the cross that to wash away the sins of mankind. Heavenly Father, help us to truly appreciate the sacrifice that was given that we all might have forgiveness of our sins and the suffering that Christ gone through on that cross. Father, help we hope to do this in a manner that will be pleasing unto thee. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.
Good morning. Yeah, thank you. Um, really is good to see everybody this morning. I was looking around whenever I was standing up here. So good to see your faces and we have a lot of visitors out there. So uh, make sure you hang around, let us greet you and meet you. Uh, we had 308 in, um, in attendance this morning. I have a couple of things that I want to stress. Um, I know we need to get a bulletin. Um, if you can get one of those, because there's a lot of announcements that we need to remember, and I'm not going to probably be able to hit them all, but I want to hit some of them. Uh, for example, uh, if you are a graduate and you want to be in the 2023 graduate um, high school, college, trade school, whatever that may be, and be listed in our salute to our graduates bulletin, uh, please fill out the form that's in the foyer. This Thursday, uh, young people, we are, there's a new youth series, summer series, and uh, it's on Thursday nights throughout the summer, not every week, but this week um, it is at Foot Street and the bus will be leaving at 545 on June the 1st. That is Thursday, isn't it? I believe that's right. Summer camps, please, if you are not going to attend, please uh, let them know so we, there's a waiting list on all of them and, and so we wanna make sure all the spots can be filled. Super Saturday is June the 10th. Stephen just came up here and asked me to please remind you to uh, pre-register. Uh, the, the information is out in the foyer. Uh, please pre-register all children who will be attending. That will be of great help uh, to him. Golden Circle, you have a cookout on June the 13th. Don't forget that. And then Tim's, are we still meeting at one o'clock today? At one o'clock today, she gave us the thumbs up. So uh, they need help unloading uh, today at one o'clock, 901 West Church Street. If a lot of us show up, maybe it won't take that long and you can get your Sunday nap still in today. There's a lot of people who need our prayers, so let's don't forget that. A lot of sympathy, a lot of folks who've lost loved ones and a lot of people who are sick. Uh, let's serve and let's be the village, not only for our young people, but for those who need us in our community. If I missed anything, please, uh, let Jimmy know. She'll get it out to everybody the best she can. If you don't mind, bow with me and we will close. I cannot do that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, everybody. I have two more things that need to be read. Wow. I'm doing the best I can, I promise. I want to make sure, and it was one of, we want to make sure the flowers today have been placed in loving memory of Annette Deaton by her family, Billy Bill and Lori. That's one thing we want to make sure we note today. And the other thing Bo handed me was the college class will be traveling to Dismal's Canyon next Sunday after worship. Um, we'll be serving brunch before departure. And this is for any college student or recent high school graduate. Bo wants them to attend. Uh, so please see Allison or Bo if you have any questions about this. I'm sorry that I almost messed up, but I'm glad I got that in. Now, let's go to God in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we are extremely thankful for this day and this time to be together. Dear Heavenly Father, I'm thankful for this congregation and what it means to you and, and the village that you have created here at, the, at Boonville to help our young people, to help our children, to help each other, and to help our community grow closer to you. So Father, help us this week as we try to serve you be with us as we leave this place, and of course, help us come back at every opportunity so we can continue to encourage one another. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.